When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Christy Lee Uninterrupted. I am your host, Christy Lee. This week, we have an amazing show for you. A lot of people don't know that Donnie Baker isn't really Donnie Baker. I know I'm not supposed to be the one to break the fourth wall, but I'm going to do it. Ron Sexton is behind the character Donnie Baker, and he joins us today. He is the talented stand-up comic and professional broadcaster who began his career even before I did. He started in radio in middle school, believe it or not. He was calling in the Franklin Central High School radio station with sports reports from his middle school, caught the bug. That passion led him to Butler University, where he was a play-by-play announcer, did sports reporting, which led him to a television job doing local sports, and then to the Indianapolis Colts, where he was an executive in their broadcast media department, back into on-air with a Fox Sports radio job with Mark Patrick, and eventually landing as a character voice on the Bob and Tom show. Not only does he do Donnie Baker, he is also behind the Floyd the Trucker character, Also, of course, Kenny Tarmac and impressions like Tony Soprano, Morgan Freeman. Did I say Soprano just then? I see Tom is wearing off on me. Tony Soprano, Morgan Freeman, um, Charles Barkley. The list goes on and on. Jim Rome. Let's face it. Ron Sexton is an amazingly talented guy. And we talk about all of this. And we also discover Ron has a hidden talent. He's picked up a very interesting hobby. He wants to be a rock and roll star, thus the Pork Pistols. He'll also let you know which band he would like to go out on the road with, and he's not joking. And he's also a high school baseball coach who's very good. Yep, you're going to learn all this and more, and you thought he was just Donnie Baker. Or maybe you didn't know he was Donnie Baker. Enjoy the show. All right, joining me in the studio today is Ron Sexton. That name to some people may not really click, but when I tell people that you are the genius behind Donnie Baker, um, Kenny Tarmac, who am I forgetting? Floyd the Tracker. <laughs> Floyd the Tracker. <laughs> yes. I have to be, I'm going to be really honest off the top, Ronnie. I was out late last night, and so my head's kind of foggy. You ever have those mornings? Oh, my God. <laughs> Where it's you called wake- Monday through Thursday. <laughs> you wake yeah. up and you go, oh, my gosh. So I apologize right now if things go a little off track, but thank you so much for joining me. I know it's a holiday week, and you had a lot going on. You were doing sold-out shows at Morty's Comedy Club in Indianapolis, and you've been on the road for quite a while. Yeah. Who's watching our fake baby all all this time I've been traveling, Chris. You know, Wolfie's okay. Did you <laughs> yes. see our Thanksgiving picture that I put up? No, I haven't. I gotta oh, check it out. <laughs> I said it said Happy Thanksgiving from the Bakers. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was great. It got a lot of hits. It was on my Instagram oh, that's story. Hilarious. Yes. Um, you know, people, we really don't have a baby together. Okay. I hope people realize that that's all funny and made up. But sometimes you wonder, <laughs> well, do you 
find that people really think that Donnie Baker is a real person, not just a character? Oh, yeah, all the time, still. Really? And, yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's uh, it's just one of those things that people uh, assume that no one would go to that extreme to pull that off or whatever. And I mean, I remember, you know, I mean... Um, it's just funny to me because I, I remember being a little kid and watching Superman mm-hmm. cartoons and thinking, oh, okay, everybody knew Clark Kent. I mean, come on. How do you, <laughs> but now I know how easy it is that he probably got away with it, you know? Um, I, I don't know. If, uh, but yeah, I was in Lexington uh, last week or the week before last, and a lady was just, she found out uh, after the show we had some, and it just ruined her day. Ruined her day. Really? Yeah. And then I, I was like, no, I'm sorry. She's like, oh, I just hate that. I thought it was real. Blah, 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 blah. And man, we I- We don't want to ruin your day. If you think Donnie <laughs> Baker's real right now, you better turn off your radio. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's still to this day, people people are surprised. You and know? how did this whole character come about? How did Donnie Baker evolve? Uh, I just started with Bob and Tom in 2005. And at the time, I really didn't have a whole lot. I was doing uh, Floyd, which used to be Trucker Steve on the AM station. Mm-hmm. And so we changed that, uh, Tom. <laughs> we were in a parking lot of a restaurant. Oh, we'll go with, uh, how about uh, uh, Floyd uh, Tucker, the, the world-famous trucker, we'll go with that. I don't know where he got it from. <laughs> I was like, okay, suits me. And uh, I just have Floyd and Dr. Phil, I think. But I wanted, when the phone rang on the Bob and Tom show, I thought it would be interesting if when the phone rang, people couldn't tell if it was just a Bob and Tom cast member or sure. a real caller. Right. And so I was really trying to go after that real caller. When I was a little kid, I used to do prank phone calls. I got the biggest kick out of it. Me and my buddies would go through the Little League phone book directory and do these prank phone calls, and I would imitate teachers. And so uh, that's why I never wanted to um, be visible when I called into Bob and Tom. I know Dean you know, sits behind the glass. Right. I like to be farther in the back just because that's that was my comfort zone. And that took me back to the days of being a you know little kid, being you know Henri on the telephone, sure. and doing things I shouldn't have been doing. But uh, so I just had a thought. There was a Bob and Tom signing party at uh, I think Castleton Square Mall, mm-hmm. and every time Bob and Tom would do album signings Sorry. or whatnot. No, oh, we had a fumble. You didn't have a late night. Last I night. had a late night. <laughs> I had a fumble. Yeah. But there were come. always the people who would come through line to meet you guys right. that were way too familiar. Or would say something that just made you a little uncomfortable. Sure. You know, I know Chick ain't your real name. I know it ain't. <laughs> yeah. That kind of. I went to high school with you. Yes, that yes, kind of thing. So yes, yes, yes. I was trying to combine that element along with some little uh, uh, things that, that I had buddies in high school that just made me laugh and chuckle. One, Joe Emmert. Yes. Joe's probably <laughs> the closest thing to Donnie. He said, I swear to God, all the time. He, he usually had a boat for sale in his front yard. So a lot of. <laughs> Donnie emanates from Joe. Joe really had a boat for sale in his front yard? If, if any of Joe's buddies had a boat, to his lot was pretty, it's a, his old house was at Shelbyville and, and uh, Thompson Road or Shelbyville and Emerson. And so it was like, Joe, can I borrow your front yard? I'm selling a boat. Bring it over, man. Yeah, man. So I don't know if, <laughs> if Joe got a percentage of it, but there was always a boat in his front yard. That's funny. So, so it just was one of those things that I thought, heck with it, I'm going to try it. I'm not really quite sure what I'm doing. And uh, I remember being on hold the very first time, and, and while I was on hold, I wrote the joke. Um, uh, we were talking about pickup lines in the show, and it uh-huh. was, how about a three-way, me, you, and some of this pork? And so it went really well. It was during Bob's honeymoon, though, and Tom told me, he said, hey, I like what you're doing. I hope Bob likes it when he gets back. And so and the calls went pretty well. Then Bob comes back, and I'm really nervous for the first call because I really feel like I'm onto something. Right. And the first call when Bob came back was dicey. It was a little shaky. And I could just, it was like, you know, a dog sniffing out another dog. And I could feel it wasn't going well. Ooh. well. Tom saved it. He said, Donnie, before you hang up, tell Bob those pickup lines you called him with last week. And he saved the phone. He saved the bit, basically. Saved the, Saved yeah. the whole bit. I don't know saved that I would have had. career. Yeah, probably <laughs> did. So, no, it was, um, and I, you know, I think it's just one of those things that by doing Donnie and that taking off and traveling, um, that led to me 
flying a lot more. And then I, you know, people by people watching figured out Kenny Tarmac. And, and so uh, it was just one of those things that I, I had a, uh, just by people watching and kind of taking little traits of friends or little things that annoyed me or made me laugh, threw that all into the same pot and somehow it came out okay. And so you really started your broadcast career way before the Bob and Tom show. We should probably even back up farther. How did you even get into broadcasting? Much like you, our, our high school at Franklin Central had mm-hmm. a radio station, much like Ben Davis. Right. So I was doing, uh, even in middle school, um, our radio station was 91.5 FM. And uh, two of my best friends growing up, one being Rich Nye, who was at uh, Channel 13 in Indianapolis. He mm-hmm. was at my wedding. And then my other best friend growing up is Matt Raiders. And they were both older. So I was in the class of 89. They were in the class of 87. And I hung out with them. And they were both on the radio staff. And so my buddy Matt's like, you ought to, you ought to check out the radio station. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Radio sure. station. That's yeah. awesome. You know, this is so unique. And uh, I love sports, but I, I was pretty, uh, having a moment of clarity at, at a young age that I knew I wasn't going to do anything with it, but, but radio allowed me to still be active in sports without getting hurt <laughs> or embarrassing myself. And so uh, even in middle school, I started doing uh, middle school respo- uh, reports on the radio station and then gradually, you know, uh, when high school started, it was just like the easiest transition for me. But uh, doing play by play. Middle school, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. I'd wake up at six in the morning and write my little middle school report out, and we would call into oh the morning show. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was probably 13 or 14 when I started in radio, and then uh, all through high school and went to Butler University. And um, while I was in Butler, I was a junior in Butler. I was working uh, full time here at the radio station and um, also. Uh, well, you know, for the radio station, but producing the, the broadcast for the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. So so I got a great head start thanks to, you know, coming out of high school. I got did my, Butler still have the radio station when you were in college? Yeah, they did, but it wasn't um, it wasn't very user-friendly for us. It okay. was uh, WAJC. Yes. Um, it was, you know, mainly NPR, and, and you could, you know, play jazz or, yeah. or, you know, do a shift where you're, you're going to jock up jazz or something. But uh, I think we did football games at that time, but it wasn't a lot of airtime. And so I was really kind of bored in college with it. So I went and got a, a part-time job at WXLW. Were you ever a jock per se or did you yeah. always do sports? No, I was a jock. I did really? uh, weekends on Q95. What was your name? Ron Sexton. Really? Yeah. I didn't remember yeah, that. Yeah, Marty put me on. Oh yeah, Marty Bender, the uh, the old yeah, program director. Yeah, Marty put me on uh, weekends and, and I did overnights and <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, maybe I should pay attention. We used to, to pull music for you, Christy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed now. <laughs> this is what happens when you drink, kids. You don't remember things later <laughs> in life. Wow. Okay. I didn't know you were a jock. That's funny. I always thought of you as a sports guy. Well, like, I, I was mainly in sports. I, I uh, you know, right out of college, the Colts, WNDE right. stuff, but then um, worked for the Indiana Pacers for a few years when you were with the Pacers. Yes. I do remember that. Yep. And then I uh, hopped to Wish TV for a short time mm-hmm. and uh, then Indy TV for about two or three years. And then Indy Did you TV- like television? No. Never liked it. No. Television is a lot of waiting around. Television is so much waiting around. And so much work and effort for about two minutes of glory, and 90% of the time, somebody else screws up or something happens you can't control, the, the graphics guy, the Chiron guy, the audio guy, and you're left looking like a dick. I here. totally yeah, agree with it you. It is the biggest, I mean, radio, if, if, if I'm going to work radio, I would rather be, okay, so for a four-hour show, I don't care, I'll be there six-hour, whatever. Right. Hour show prep, stay, but television, it, it, Friday nights were the worst because of high school football scores. You had to be there at two, oh, yeah. two o'clock, and you don't get out of there until midnight. Sure. And you're scrambling around, and everything takes place between about 10 and 11, and it's mayhem, and oh, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I, as a woman, it was even worse because oh, yeah. you had to put makeup on and get all cleaned up, and you would be on camera for 
when I used to do those stand-ups, I'd be on camera for maybe, what, two seconds, it seemed like, maybe 15 before, 15 after. So for 30 seconds, you work all day. But I totally, that's why I loved doing live sporting events, because it was live. You know, when you're on the Pacers, you're sideline reporter, you do your job, or you do your halftime show, you do it, you're done, you don't, it's not waiting around. It's like worth it at least. You're right. But yeah. Inevitably, it's, it's so easy, you make it hard. Yeah. Okay, I have a 30 second thing I have to do. Okay, I could go about it this way, this way, this way. Then you wait, 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 wait. Then you got to write it, then you got to shoot it, yeah, then you got to edit it. Yeah. And it's, What we're saying is if you're watching television and you're watching the sports or news or whatever, those people got to love what they're doing because right. that is a tough, uh, it's not a really fulfilling gig. A lot for of me. long hours. A lot of long hours for very little, right, what you said, FaceTime. It's Well, when I was at Indie TV, though, um, and, and while it was brief, in its um, existence, mm-hmm. I got to do a lot of television. So I got to do play-by-play of boxing, baseball, which was my passion. Oh, I got to do cool. uh, high school uh, state football championships. Uh, so that was different because, again, it was a live sporting event. Sure. The the stuff behind the anchor desk, I absolutely hated that. I always felt naked and awful and unnatural. Um, even uh, I didn't mind the reporting as much doing a you know a package or mm-hmm. a stand. I didn't mind that as much, but I absolutely hated anchoring. Hated it and just ugh. I mean there was just too much that could go wrong that you you had no control of. Yeah, that's true. And nobody sees the behind the scenes people. They only see your face. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well. But it it's a great education. You and I both know you can never not learn enough, I think. Yeah. Because um, it's probably paid off for you in, with doing Donnie or shooting your videos. Oh, yeah. Because now you shoot your own videos all the time. Well, we're going to get to that because I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So you you ended up, how did you end up on the Bob and Tom show? Was that through Mark Patrick? Well, that came uh, kind of. I, I was working for the Indianapolis Colts and had a great job. Right. And I was running the uh, broadcast department for the Colts. And while um, it was great money and company car and great benefits and all these wonderful things, Mark had auditioned um, for a show on Fox Sports Radio, a national radio show. Right. And he got it. And uh, he asked me to come produce it. Well, at this time, I don't know which kid we're on. I think our third was on the way. And I told my wife, I really want to take a crack at this. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it it had to be the dumbest decision in the world. Taking up $20,000 a year pay cut, company car, gone. You know, but uh, fewer hours, don't have to wear a suit and tie. And um, just kind of got out of that corporate thing that I, again, it just was not me. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the show was okay. Uh, it was one of those things that you could tell the writing was on the wall from the start, from the standpoint that our, our everything was based out of Sherman Oaks, California, and then we're out here in Indianapolis, and right. just you know you kind of tell that, oh well, this is going to be easy for them to lose track of us, which in some ways was good. We could get away with a lot more, yeah. Um, but in other ways, it was bad because um, you just kind of had a feeling that you know everything that they were going to be in love with was going to be something they could see and. And, and be around every day. So it lasted about three years. But it put me back in this building. Mm-hmm. And it put me in a situation where I was doing stand-up. And in conjunction with doing stand-up, started having a, a much greater interest in doing comedy on radio. So on that show, Mark and I, I'll give, I'll give Mark credit. Um, if you listen to sports radio now, it's not sports radio. And it can't be. Because you can't compete with the internet. You can't compete with that Packers fan that knows more about the team than the host. Sure. So all sports radio now has become guy radio or man radio. Mm-hmm. And we were probably among the first to do that. And we caught a lot of crap for it. Because they wanted us to be like, play sound bites, give the scores. Talk. Well, yeah. nobody, you can get that on the internet. Sure. So what Mark and I were doing was basically comedy, you know, uh, a comedy show with sports as a little, you know, vehicle mm-hmm. uh, to get us from start to finish. Um, 
And now all sports radio is that way. I mean, most good sports radio is that way. And, and again, anybody that really cares about the X's and O's will find that on the internet. So in that process and by being in this building, um, and, and Mark and I are very good friends to this day, but we had our differences along the way. So there would be days I'd be like, man, I'm just going to stay after it and see if I can get this bit or something on Bob and Tom. And I think it was uh, in the course of doing a Jim Rome impression, uh, Frank Caliendo was on Bob and Tom, and I did a phone-in as Jim Rome to Jim Rome, and it made a Bob and Tom album, and yep. I think it, it opened some eyes in, in the Bob and Tom arena. And, uh, and that was my goal, ultimately, was to do comedy not only with Bob and Tom, but just comedy, you know, I just, and, and that was the ultimate because of, of, uh, this mothership that, you know, I grew up listening to and loved and just, you know, bowed before because it was just the best radio show that I'd ever heard. What was your comedy like, your stand up before your characters? Did you do characters on stage even then? I did impressions. Yeah, I was an impressionist okay. starting off. So I would, uh, a matter of fact, the first thing I do on stage is go up and imitate the uh, drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket just to kind of break the ice and get my nerves out. Um, and it was, it was bad. I'm sure it's like any other comedian. I would cringe if I saw it, you know. But I don't know. I just, I, it taught me how to, um, it, two things. It taught me how to write a joke, you know. Yep. And, and had Bob and Tom given me a chance any time prior to that, I would have failed miserably. I had to go outside of this building to get back in where I wanted to be. And that was, that was key. It was so key because if I didn't learn how to do stand-up, I would have failed. And I think working with Mark also taught me. I mean, here's somebody that, you know, just was so natural at calling in and, and doing what he did for years. And mm-hmm. in the same way, TC, Harry Carey, Mark Schott. I mean, right. the dude was just a hammer, you know, and syndicated himself before Bob and Tom, I think, you know, mm-hmm. doing characters. So just... I think through radio osmosis, I learned a lot from him. And he also, I mean, he was, he was, you know, he would always tell me, you know, here's how you do it. Or, you know, it doesn't, the impression doesn't matter. You have to have material, you know, and, and it was just, you know, a damn good teacher and one of the smartest sons of bitches I've ever met, you know, but I learned so much and, um, but it was stand up that really gave me, um, I think the best education about knowing that if I can get in front of people and fail or overcome that, I'm going to be fine on the phone or in any other thing I do. So that's the second thing you learned besides writing a joke, how to overcome. Yeah. I used to do karaoke because I had a a greater fear of singing. So perspective is everything. So I would go to uh, karaoke bars and sing because that made stand up a lot less scary. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I was, oh God, singing, I can't sing. You know, now it's Donnie, I can sing every type. You sing every type. Yeah. But you do uh, a great job. Yeah. But back then it was just one of those things that I, I, I had stage fright. Do you still karaoke? Uh, Not that often. Favorite song? Karaoke. Uh, First one I ever did was Chili Peppers called Other Side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but my favorite one to do is uh, Give It Away. Give It Away, Give It Away. Give It Away now. Give It Away. Do you do it it as yourself or as Donnie? Oh, just myself, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Are the Chili Peppers your favorite band? Yeah, I would say so. If I'm, well, it's kind of a tie. I'm a a foo fighting, red hot, chili pepper loving, uh, journey swinging uh, kid rock fan. So, I mean, those and Michael are kind of, Jackson. You cannot forget Michael oh, Jackson. I love Michael Jackson. That's you just, love I mean, that's, Michael yeah. Jackson. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure. I don't know anybody that doesn't tap their damn foot or perk up when they hear Billie Jean or one of those. I, I mean, agree. You don't have a soul. Yeah, right? I totally agree okay. with you. Yo, yeah. I mean, come on. It's funny. There was a, a manager at Crackers downtown named Angie. Uh-huh. And uh, I forget Angie's last name. But we really hit it off. It's back during my, my open mic days when I was starting off in comedy. And uh, she would always play um, the Thriller record before a show. And is an opener, so I have to go up there cold. I would beg her, please, because people would get their feet tapping. Sure, and it just sent a warm and fuzzy throughout the audience. I mean, people were ready to rock, yeah. <laughs> and it was so much better than you know any other crap that people would play. But I was like, hey, put some put some Michael Jackson on, because it just put people in a great mood. And, yeah, uh, I just thought that was a, a smart thing for her to do. That is a smart thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what? 
what is the process that you go through to write a joke? How does that even work? I mean, you and I have been on the road together a lot, and we've, I don't call what I do writing. I just talk and stuff comes out of my mouth. Yeah. I, um, do you sit down with a pad of paper and like physically write jokes? Or I used to. Or does it just to. come to you like in the middle of a bit? Uh, usually mine will spawn from uh, a very extreme emotion if I'm really mad or really happy. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll, I'll write based off of that. Tim Wilson told me a great thing about writing jokes. And this is so true. He said, take something you believe in deeply and argue against it, and you will have written comedy. That's how you write comedy. To take, so take whatever your religion is and argue against it. Poke holes in it. Attack it. And you will have written comedy. And great really? comedy. Yes. And uh, so I think in my case, though, it's just, I mean, there, there's always truth in comedy. And I think seeking that truth is, is the key. But uh, I wrote a joke one time. I was at a, at a gas station pump, and I wrote a great joke for Tony Soprano that I, I did on a bit on Bob and Tom. But, you know, you go to, you just want to buy gas, and paying at the pump should be easy. And now it's become this whole process where debit or credit, um, uh, pay here, pay inside. Yeah. Do you want a car wash? What's your mother's main name? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I could pop and run, do eight years in jail, and still get out of here faster than this freaking process. So it was just one of those things. I was so frustrated one day in a hurry. Yeah. Buttons, then you hit the wrong button, and it's like, God. Oh, you can you cuss know. on this. It's oh, okay. okay. I wasn't sure. But <laughs> it's just one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, please. This is supposed to be easy. So there was an example of how I was really pissed off and a great joke came about from right. that experience. And you remember them all? Do you write them down? Do you talk them into your phone? I used to write them down on paper and those, um, I, I did a better job because when I would study in school, <laughs> I used to make cheat sheets and I was always afraid to use them. But by writing and making a cheat sheet, I had studied. Yeah. And so... Uh, when I started doing comedy, yeah, I would always carry a notebook. Now I, f- I find that I, I can put them in my phone, but I don't retain the memory. And, and plus, I'm getting older. Um, my memory's just not as good. But uh, I did a better job of remembering my material when I would write it down. Yep. Something about the pen and the brain, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that, Well, um, you see me handwriting everything yeah. here. Because when I go back to write my show notes on this, if I don't look at this or if not written it down, yeah. I would never remember what we... Yeah. I mean, I'd remember some things, but I would never remember that Tim Wilson quote. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why I have to. Well, yeah, Tim I was my you. comedy dad. Tim, Tim, Tim was my, I mean, he, he was a dear friend to all of us, but he really, I, I, I truly yeah. believe um, God put me with Tim so he could raise me in comedy. What I, are some I, of your favorite Tim Wilson stories? Do you have a f- uh, one that stands out? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, um, well, one involves another comedian that uh, was was well known for kind of fibbing and exaggerating the truth. Yes. And uh, we all know who that yeah. is. <laughs> so we know one morning, who it is. Uh, Tim and I are with this comedian and this comedian was always telling stories about how he had beaten somebody up or gotten in a fight. And, and so Tim and I had really had our fill of this nonsense uh, on the entire trip. So uh, we're leaving one morning to go into the next gig and uh, we're staying like at a Hilton garden Inn. and this gentleman mm-hmm. comes out of the, I'm, I'm, I said, I wonder where uh, so-and-so is, Timmy. Well, go find him. So I, I go inside, and he comes out of the, the elevator, and he's like, hey, you ready to go? He's like, yeah, we need to go now. He said, I just got in a fight. Got in a fight. And what? He said, let's go. We need to go. So he gets in the car and proceeds to tell Tim and I that he was in an elevator, and a guy started staring at him, and he said, he kept staring at me. I had to pop him. <laughs> and so it's really quiet, and Tim and I are like, we're not buying this bullshit. And uh, I said, you had to pop him. He said, kept staring at me. And Tim said, well, damn, there's only two floors. <laughs> He's like, how long was the elevator ride? <laughs> Maybe he wants to, you know. Hilton Garden Inn, so, there are only three floors. Yeah, tops. so uh, just uh, for me, that was just a classic Tim moment that Tim, well, damn, you know. Uh, God, I love your Tim Wilson. Every <laughs> time you do that, you've got it down. I mean, oh, he was, it just makes me. Yep, I miss him. Oh, we all miss him. Yeah, him. I know. It was, yeah. I mean, I, 
I tear up just thinking about yeah. it. I, it's just unbelievable that he's been gone this long. Yeah. That he's gone at all. Yeah, there was a, another moment that kind of sums up Tim. Uh, we were in a uh, old theater mm-hmm. in, somewhere in uh, out west, and Tommy Jonigan arrived backstage, and Tommy's a great comedian, and, and we all just, you know, adored Tim. Right. And uh, so we're there for a sound check that was a pain in the ass, but this old wooden, I think one of those Houdini stages, you know. And uh, so Tommy and I are there talking, and the side door opens up, and it was just like a scene, like I have a Clint Eastwood movie, but here comes Tim in that big trench coat and that big cowboy hat. Yeah. And he walks across the back of the stage, and, and he was like up on us before we knew he was there, and he lit a cigarette and headed out the other way, and Tommy's like, did you, did you see that? That was like the coolest thing ever. That was like, how does he do that? He said, I could never do that. I could practice that and not be that cool. How did he Johnny Cash his way through here? And we didn't even, you know, it was just one of those things. That, uh, Tim never tried to be cool, and I think that's why he was. He didn't give a damn what you thought. Can you we know? tell, do the, can you tell the Tim Wilson story about Tommy Johnigan when he had his heart broken? Do you remember? Oh, God. Oh, God. That was one of my favorite moments in life. Yeah, Tommy was. Uh, this, Tommy's happily married with two kids yeah. now. I don't know if they're married, but they have two kids now. In L.A., he's doing great. He's got his own TV show now. Yeah. But this was in the early days. This was our baby, Tommy. We yeah. raised Tommy oh, John yeah. again on the road. Yeah, and he was nice enough to confess in the green room yes. that he was going through this tough breakup. And, and right. so everybody's just consoling, oh, Tommy, you're fine. He was so upset. Yeah, and just, you know, I want to get back with her. And, and, and Tim just perks up after a couple co- <laughs> co- of He said, she's been cheating on you for about four, maybe five years. <laughs> <laughs> and he just laid it out for him. I mean, it just blasted him. It was so- and, but it was probably what Tommy needed to hear. And it was probably true because oh, yeah. if you'll recall, yeah. three months after they broke up, she married somebody else. Yeah, you're right. It was like, come on, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Tim Wilson had the best advice and he was just the sweetest heart of pure gold. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pure absolutely. gold. Yeah. Who are some of your other comedic um, heroes? Greg Hahn was very influential to me because I was a big fat chicken. I was doing a... Uh, Stand up as Ron Sexton while I was working on the Bob and Tom show. And I was still doing, uh, I'd worked my way up to being a, a weak middle act in Indianapolis. But I was still, you know, at least featuring and I worked my way up to that point. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was pretty pleased with the progress of that time. And I was at One Liners Comedy Club and Greg Hahn was the headliner and I was hosting. So in between the comedians, I'd go up and do a little joke and maybe work in a Floyd voice that was working on Bob and Tom or something at that time. And I think Donnie had just been born. And, uh, so I'm waiting to break Greg up, and we're backstage, and he pins me against the wall. And he's a pretty imposing Yeah, figure. he's a big guy. He's a Marine. He's, what do you, what do you do? You got to be the biggest idiot. I didn't knock you out right here. You're doing all the same stupid jokes 10,000 guys are doing. You're, you're, you're stupid. You're an idiot. You ought to do that stuff on stage. And he basically threatened me that if I didn't do Donnie and just become Donnie or do more of that character, because his point was, you know, I'm doing the same material that in, at the time I thought, oh, this is great. I was right. Laughs. Right. But it was still all the same crap, like he said, that every other comedian was doing. And so I was like, well, I can either do it or fight him. I'm gonna, I think I'll do Donnie. <laughs> so I, I, to this day, I owe him so much that he took the time to tell me that and say that. And what I've been able to do is to say there have been a few people uh, along the way that, um, I've, I've done the same thing too. Yeah. Uh, to tell him, man, what are you doing? Please, I can see it. Trust me on this, you know? So that's kind of been my way to, to thank him is to do that for other people. You've you know? been so successful in the social media realm as well. How did that all come about? That was another comedian, Tom Mabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Mabe, after the Bob and Tom show one day, uh, we go to Steak and Shake, and he basically gave me the same ass chewing in that arena that uh, Greg Hahn did in comedy. And he said, what are you doing? And I was like, well, Donnie's only funny on the radio. And he's like, well, you're an idiot. Yeah, you're an absolute idiot, and you're you're leaving money on the table. And here, go to Best Buy, 
here's the camera to buy. Here's how you make, you know. So I, you know, I go to Best Buy and get a little elf, you know, Canon camera. Yeah. And start doing YouTube videos. And now I just use my phone. But I mean, it was just the easiest damn thing. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't start, you know, 10 years ago. But they're so funny. And you're, do you write those out? Do you script them? Do you just turn the camera on and see what happens? It's, it's very much like when I call in a Bob and Tom. I, I, I know how I want to start. I know how I want to end. So I'll basically build a video around two or three jokes. Okay. And uh, and sometimes I'll get lucky and get it in one take. And other times it's uh, it's one of those things that the more takes I do. The worse um, it gets? Uh, no. Usually I'll add jokes so there will be a tag. Oh, okay. Because yeah. sometimes somebody will go, oh, I did all that work, but the first take was always the best. Yeah. And and, and that can happen. Yeah. That can be the case. You know, and there's just more, you know, lighting can be. But the great thing is- Do you shoot that just with a selfie stick? I just hold my phone up. Yeah. Straight up. I don't even use a selfie stick. You don't even use your arms long? I could never. Yeah. Well, it helps to be short. Well, so. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And it's, um, I think that raw element helps. Sure. You know, because that's Donnie. Donnie wouldn't have. No, it's not overproduced yeah. or anything. And, yeah, uh, it's the same way I like my porn. I like it old-fashioned and rustic. <laughs> <laughs> How did the pork pistols come about? Pork pistols came back from uh, from Joe Emmert. Uh, I was pork doing... pistols are Donnie's band. For those of yeah. you who don't know, Donnie Baker does have a band called the Pork Pistols, featured on the Bob and Tom Show Wednesday before Thanksgiving. If you didn't see the show, you can look it up on our you know website or some podcast it. But um, so the band came about because I was doing Donnie and getting headline work, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a headliner set at that time. I had basically Donnied up all of the jokes that I could from my Ron Sexton days. Sure. Coupled with everything I, I had put on the boat for sale album, my first Donnie album. And I still only had about 30 minutes and I was getting he- headliner work. Now on the Bob and Tom tour, I only had to do about 20 minutes. I was fine. Right. Um, and even then though, I was, being too, too comedian-esque. Frank Caliendo told me one day, it broke my heart, but it was the best damn thing to hear. He's like, stop being a comedian. He's like, you're killing me. Donnie Baker isn't a comedian. He's a character. Start being your character more. It was the best advice. I didn't wow. want to hear it because I was getting laughs. Sure. But he and David Crow, David Crow gave me great advice. Donnie would be unpolished, you know? If a joke works, repeat it. Tell the guy down here, like, you don't even realize the microphone is what's you know, getting the message to them. Mm-hmm. So I really had to um, unlearn everything that I had worked so hard to build with all those little comedy tricks, doing a character and, and just become Donnie Baker um, and almost uh, disguise the jokes. But the band came about because I was I was getting gigs and I couldn't do a 45 minute set without just getting really lucky and crowd work. So uh, one of my best friends, Joe Emmert, said, man, we ought to get a band together. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's so easy to write parodies and it's easy to remember the words. God, that's a great point. Yeah. So uh, he reminded me of two guys I went to high school with that I I didn't know real well, but I remembered them, Dusty Privet and Nick Pryor. And he said, Dusty and Nick, man, they're great musicians. And Joe had convinced me he could play that. Well, he couldn't play a damn thing. But because he came up with it, I kind of had to let him in the band. So you put him on bass. Put him on bass. Yeah. And... uh, that's how the Pork Pistols were born. So, what's so that wait al- a minute. Nick Pryor, I thought you guys were best friends in second grade. No. Uh, Scotty Winkler? No. Yes. Scotty Winkler's a fake. Uh, actually, Scotty Winkler is a real name of a kid I went to, to grade school with, and he was like the biggest bully at my really? elementary school, and everybody was afraid of Scotty Winkler. He was the first kid brave enough to take a dump without a stall door, oh, and he was legendary. <laughs> Tom, that's for you. But he was legendary. I'll never forget being on the playground going, Scotty Winkler's taking his shit, and we all run in because there were no stall doors, and it was like the scene out of Shawshank when they pull the poster back, and somebody got out. There's a breakthrough, but uh, he was legendary from that day, so I just always... Um, 
you know, for Donnie's purposes, used that that would be Donnie's best friend to Scotty Winkler. So when when Nick joined the band, I said, "Hey, I'm sorry. Good news is you're in the band. Bad news, you got to go by Scotty Winkler." Nick didn't care at all. Did he, he know who Scotty Winkler was? I don't think so. Oh, no, okay. He went to a different middle or uh, grade school. Okay. But, uh, and and Dusty's name just seemed to fit. <laughs> so um, yeah, because you, you can't change Dusty's yeah. name. He's a Dusty. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But uh, but that's how that came about. So it was. I think in one night we were headed to Nashville, Tennessee, and it was around Thanksgiving around this time. Matter of fact, I think Dusty reminded me, I think this weekend may be our 11th anniversary. Are you kidding? As a band, yeah. Wow. And uh, we went down in Joe's construction van <laughs> and were writing songs, not only on the way there, but even between sets and zanies at Nashville, rewriting songs, rewriting songs. And I was basically auditioning. Brian Dorfman, who owns the club, was really... Um, uh, instrumental in putting whoever was going to be on the tour. Right. And I really wanted us to be on the tour. And sure enough, he liked what he saw enough that we uh, we got to tour with Tim Wilson shortly thereafter. And it was just one of the best, best times of my life. It was incredible. We're doing hockey arenas in, you know, Eugene, Oregon, and, and uh, or Yakima or somewhere. I mean, well, even the Bob and Tom tour when the Pork Pistols were on the tour with us. God, that was some of the best times yeah. of my life. So much we fun. had some great times on yes, the road. We did. Yeah, yes, we did. Can't talk about them here. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, it was great because what we would do, and I, one of my favorite memories, and I don't remember what city, but I used to love it that you guys would always, after our shows, we would go out and find live bands. Yeah. And it was so cool to go into these towns and, you know, meet the fans, yeah. but, you know, get to see live. I don't get to go see live rock and roll I know. I anymore. still, that's my, I crave. Yeah. I, anytime I mean, I'm, local live rock. I mean, yeah. you know, you go to the big arena shows, but there's nothing like when right. I was growing up and there's an area in central Indiana called Broad Ripple and like there were six clubs you could walk to in a night yeah. basically and see live rock. And now it's yep. just not it's that way anymore. Some, you know, suck ass DJ. You know, I, yeah. I, I just, I don't know why that is, but I still crave that after a show, especially after doing a show. It's like, all right, I want someone to entertain me. Now. Sure. You know, I just want to have our um, adrenaline's up. Yes. We've had so much fun. Yeah, now let's right. just keep the party going. Yeah. Oh, we pe- we kept the party going. It was yes. so fun. Yeah. It was Whereas, you know, so we would fun. do that. Tim would go, well, I see, I'm sleeping about I'm going to sleep Skinnered for a while. Because <laughs> yeah. he knew all the, he would. I remember yeah. we're somewhere one night. I said, what? I want to sleep about I'm going to sleep Skinnered. How are you getting it? Well, ma'am, I know the, I'll, I'll get in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. You great, Tim Wilson. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I remember, uh, Dusty during Dusty's drinking days, one of my favorite oh. damn things. Bands would just, you know, they would <laughs> their big closer, some eight minute jam session, right? And they just spent their done and Dusty go, play that one again. Play that one again. You know, no band wants to play that one again. That's like asking a whore for change. That's the last damn thing they want to do is play that one again. But it just cracked me up. Play that one again. Oh, yeah. Dusty's drinking days. <laughs> Where's Dusty? I don't know. He left with somebody, oh, and he it was like having a and he pet. Was, he was like having a bet. Yeah, and you just prayed he showed back up to yeah. make it out of yeah. there to leave. Oh, I know. Like he'd stroll in at six in the morning. Yeah. Oh, hey guys, what up? He was so hungover one day. I remember uh, as Chick was with, uh, as I think me, Dusty, and Chick McGee on the road, and and I was just you know, and it's one of those things. I I still felt like I was new here, and I didn't want to upset Chick or or have anything on the road affect my. Um, you know my job here at work, right? And uh, and we all got a kick out of Dusty, but it was one of those days where he was he was hungover and just chatty, and he was driving us both nuts. And uh, I mean, it was like I almost had to pull the car over and scold him. Well, he finally passes out, and and he's zonked. And uh, you know, I got a, a back seat full of Donnie Baker shut up Randy shirts or whatever, mm-hmm. and he is he's in the fetal position and the most contorted position ever. But he finally crashes, 
And uh, Chick and I, I don't think we've ever laughed harder because we go for about two hours and, you know, the baby's asleep. Right. And he finally, we pull in and say, hey, Chick, I got to pull in and get gas here and trying to be quiet. Well, Dusty wakes up and again, his neck's, you know, under his armpit or something. <laughs> and he wakes up and he goes, oh, are we at the pillow store? <laughs> the funniest damn thing ever <laughs> and we laughed our asses off uh, because it's like no kidding i mean i don't know how he was sleeping in, in in that fashion but are we at the pillow store yes dusty we are at the pillow store <laughs> what I, god those were the days i missed the tour maybe we'll bring some of that back i don't I know hope so um but do you get the band out very much anymore yeah i'm doing it more and more are now. you yeah i Good. try to um it's just for me it's fun to uh a, a couple of reasons it's fun to just kind of mix things up sure uh and it's also um, just a different element that in the band sets, there are different jokes that I don't do or get to do in my other set. And it just reminds me of other material that I've forgotten about. So it helps me to kind of go back. Oh, God, you know, revisit that set. OK, I need to put that in my my regular Donnie set or um, I don't know. For me, it's just a nice change of pace. And I I kind of get to rediscover stuff I'd forgotten about. Well, I think they're, the songs are just so funny and you do a great job singing them as Donnie Baker. I mean, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's like everybody's got the dream of being a rock star oh, and you yeah. get to play that without, because you're not yeah. you doing it. You're like, well, if I suck, it's not me. It's Donnie yeah. sucks. You well, that's know? my favorite thing about when I go out to see bands afterward. When I do, like when we go out after a show and we find a, like, I always want to know how did this group get together? Like, I want to know the story behind it. Like right. I, we, were, we were in uh, Lexington a couple weeks ago and we go to see this band and it looked like a, a uh, Fleetwood Mac walked out of a meth lab or something. It was just weird. I was like, how did these people get together? It was just weird. Right. I wanted to know. like, And it was one of those bands. There were like eight guys in it. And it was this, uh, we're in some hippie bar. And it was one of those bands that if, if half of them quit, the song would sound the same. You know, I mean, they, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't know what some of them were playing, but. Um, <laughs> they must have been all related but yeah, but it was in just, some So way. I, I envision with the Port Pistols, is why would these guys that are good musicians follow Donnie? Somehow Donnie's convinced them that he's the ticket. Yeah. So that was always kind of the thought in my head as a gag that I thought uh, it would be funny to have three good musicians, you know, be duped by this dipshit that really can't sing or doesn't have a clue and is uh, putting, uh, you know, S's on the end of everything that he says. And We should probably... Um bring people up to speed because Joe Emmerich, who wasn't a good musician, is no longer in the band. Correct. He's been replaced by Todd Boner, <laughs> a.k.a. Chris. Chris Messer, yeah. Yes. So, sorry, Joe. You're a good guy, <laughs> but you couldn't play bass for shit. Yeah, and he got in trouble. Joe was, uh, we were in Billings, <laughs> Montana, and uh, Joe oh, would, Joe. poor Joe, I love him, but he gets off a plane, forgets his carry-on is on the plane. He had already walked through um the security. The security line and comes back without going back through security and shut down the Billings Airport, which meant about 300 people couldn't get to Denver for about another day. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he got into trouble and, and, and he's fine now. Yeah, he's, he's fine. fine. But it was it was for the best. And again, it was um, it was one of those things that he, he was faking playing bass for the most part. But I'll give Joe, I always consider him a member of the band because it was, you know, he came up with it. And, sure. And, uh, and he was just a great friend. And God, he moved me to Florida. I mean, this is another thing about Tim. Tim goes, he said, he did what? I said, well, he drove our stuff down, went back and got more and drove it again. He said, that's a friend for life. That is a friend yeah, for life. He is. So have you seen him recently? Yeah, he moved to Colorado, but then he came back here. So uh, Joe and I still talk. It's it's one of those things. You know, it's I I may go a couple weeks without hearing from yeah. him, but we're still still dear friends. And uh, no, he's doing he's doing great. Single um, again too, Christy. So oh wait oh oh yeah no that's okay. <laughs> no, the only I will say this: Joe Emmerich's probably one of the best dancers I've ever he's met in my good. entire life. Incredible, yeah. He really shocked me. Yeah. God, he can cut some rug. Yeah, that boy. Can. Yeah. He's single again, huh? Yeah, single again. 
Whoa. Yeah. Here's a funny Joe Emmert, Christy Lee story. So Joe and I are taking <laughs> Christy. We're doing a gig somewhere. And uh, I remember we meet at a gas station or somebody dropped you off. So we, it was like a drug deal. So we pick up Christy Lee. <laughs> And immediately, Joe's excited because Joe has started a company called Bathrooms by Design. Yes. And I've done construction. Chris, let me tell you, I've learned my lessons, man. I used to do, lost money in kitchens, lost money in basements. Man, I'm just doing bathrooms now. There's great money in bathrooms. I ain't doing nothing else but bathrooms. <laughs> bathrooms, bathrooms. And I could see you rolling your eyes, I'm rolling my eyes. And you, so polite and sweet, trying to get out of the conversation. So, well, Joe, I... Bathroom's great. I, I need uh, I need to be looking at a roof here soon. He goes, oh, I'll do your roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe. Yeah, he's something, that boy. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I thought they were so in love. You know, this is what happens when you put everything out on Facebook, people. Oh, I know, yeah. And when it goes to shit, it's horrible because everybody knows about right. it. God, I, that makes my heart hurt a little yeah. bit. Because I really thought he's they were. He's doing fine, though. Well, that's good, yeah. I guess. I mean, good for you, Joe, but if you're listening, and I'm sure you probably <laughs> are, uh, we do kind of miss him. Um, so what are you going to do with all of that? Well, look, first of all, before we go there, um, my one of my favorites, and one of my favorite characters, especially lately, has been Floyd the Trucker. Oh. I really, how does that work? I, I, I'm speaking for the listener because I have seen it a couple of times, but how... Do you do the Kenny Tarmac and the Floyd the Trucker and Donnie Baker all in one show? How does that work? Uh, I, I and usually I, have to have a very cooperative uh, comedian to work with me. That, okay. That's not afraid. Like, for instance, Josh Arnold, who's been great on the show. Josh and I were in Springfield, Missouri. And so, Josh, if a comedian is able to do 30 minutes, um, I'll open as Floyd. Mm-hmm. And then uh, hustle backstage, get changed into Kenny. Mm-hmm. And interrupt his set as Kenny Tarmac. Okay. At some point early in his set, so I have time to change into Donnie. So, um, and again, I think Kenny's. When I do Kenny, it's it's usually five minutes or less, but it that's really all it takes. The you know the there's really one joke. Yeah, the whole, yeah there, you, you can't take much of Kenny Tarmac because yeah. here's some, you're making fun of somebody that annoys many on a plane, right? But uh, yeah, it's one or two jokes, and then I'm out. But uh, but that's really how. And, and Floyd's my retirement plan. I think that's what I want to do later. It's it's my favorite character that I do on the show. And it takes me back to my mom's side of the family. Um, my mom is uh, from the hills of Tennessee. And I remember being a little kid going to visit my grandmother and all my relatives there. And I just picked up that dialect um, at a very young age. And uh, I used to do a character on the high school radio station called Cordell McGarrett. They would like an older version of Floyd. <laughs> but, <laughs> what did uh, Cordell do? Uh, Cordell, same thing. Just hillbilly jokes and used to make prank phone calls. And uh, called a Big Sur's waterbed one time and asked him if I could stock catfish in one of their uh, mattresses. <laughs> just uh, silly stuff. But that that basically comes from my mom's side of the fam- family. My granny, bless her heart, 93 years old. She's hanging by a thread. But um, she's the last one of uh, my mom's family still living, you know, down there. That, mm-hmm. uh, in Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have aunts and, and some distant relatives but it was just we don't go down there as much because everybody's dead or moved on but yeah. uh, I used to go down there a lot as a kid but I just love that that uh, that accent and I paid attention a lot you know just you know they don't say doggy style they say dog fashion <laughs> ain't no doggy style they do it dog fashion <laughs> so you say that's your retirement plan what does that mean for you oh I don't know how much longer I'll do Donnie you know so I think I think Floyd would be a fun character to kind of develop for the stage you really know, evolve I with so I don't know I mean what do you think Donnie's lifespan's going to be. I used to think it was five years. I thought I had maybe five years with it. Social media, this has been a great rebirth for Donnie and um, I, the, the biggest rebirth um, because I hit and it hit pretty hard in 2005. See, uh, it was around, it was New Year's Eve 2005. 
2005, I think, was my first big Bob and Tom gig. And uh, 2006 was a great year. And about 2010, it started to dip a little bit. And then uh, came back up. I forget what. Uh, we had a bus tour, a Bushlight tour. Oh, let's talk about the bus tour. I forgot yeah. about that. It was a lot of fun. I had a couple of them. We okay, had, uh, you had, but you got the wrapped bus and the whole deal. Yeah, that was cool. With was Shane Moss spon- and April Macy. And, uh, was that sponsored? It was supposed to be. The reason Larry, why I was on the bus and was. And Larry yeah. Reeb. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd group. Uh, the first time was with the Pork Pistols and uh, John Evans and yes. Matt Dixon. And uh, there was a great group. Jimmy Schubert. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you can imagine. Oh, my gosh. And we lived to tell about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you're talking about Jimmy Schubert, who used to party with Sam Kennison, and he still to this day goes, nobody beats the Dust Buster. (laughs) (laughs) That's during Dusty's drinking days. But Dusty impressed him more than Sam Kennison in terms of partying. But but no. And then the second time was uh, with Larry Reeb, April Macy, Shane Moss. Spawned a uh, romance. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. April and Sean. Yeah. So Shane. Sean. Shane Moss. Or Sean Moss. Sh- Shane. Shane. Yeah. Sorry. See, I do the same thing. <laughs> Change your damn name, Moss. <laughs> but no, that, those were a lot of fun. And uh, and now social media has been the big jolt uh, to the character. And what's great about it is because the audience, it used to be my audiences were you know, the same everywhere I go. Now I'm seeing younger people because of YouTube and Facebook videos. So, oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. It's really a great help, you know. So okay. I'm getting new fans that'll grow up with the character again. Huh. So now you think it's going to last? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think with social media, it could go on for another 10, 20 years. I mean, it really, you know, it just, yeah. um, it just depends. But uh, and it was one of those things. What really got me interested in social media was a video I did while I was living in Indianapolis, it was Donnie Baker's baseball tips. And I had gone to, to record a video for a buddy of mine that was trying out for a uh, reality show. And I thought, well, while I'm here, I'm just going to do a, a Donnie baseball video. And it did okay. Well, it was like two or three years after some major league, some, somebody in the big league shared it on his page. And it went viral. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so one day I, I start getting emails and, oh, my God, dude, that's the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, that was five years ago. You know, but that's a great thing about it. I mean, so... You know, you keep putting bait in the water, something's going to bite, you know. And um, so I don't know, you know, of what videos I have now that will maybe, again, resurface or, sure. or trigger another run. You never know. What's your most popular video, you think? The one that, the first one that really went viral for me beside that one was uh, one that, it was, it was based off the joke where Donnie yells at his neighbor, Mitchell. And uh, and I was really smart and I put Donnie, ba- uh, Donnie Baker goes off on neighbor during Shark Week. Well, it was Shark Week, but Shark Week had nothing to do with the bit. But I got a lot of views. And then the, the comedy, you know, uh, seemed to resonate with people. And, man, it took off. And um, so that was the one that really kind of put me on the map and got uh, me really started on, I want to do more of this, more of this, more of this, more of this. How year. many do you think, or what are your average views? What do you get? Oh, I would say the low end, maybe a couple hundred thousand. And then, um, uh, you know, on the high end, you know, I can tell it if it's if it's going well, if I, uh, you know, start seeing the shares tick up and pick up, you know, um, usually about once a month, I'll have one or two that'll hit a million or more. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's going really well. Are you being sponsored now or is that making money for you? Yeah. I yeah, mean, you so don't have Facebook, to answer these questions. No, no, no. Facebook, I'm just... Facebook doesn't, they, they have a way to monetize and, and, and a program that will soon be launched. Mm-hmm. But YouTube, I monetize everything. Uh, but the way you make money on Facebook is once you build a following is that you'll get, you know, these clickbait companies that basically want to come pollute your page. Um, but it's still worth it, you know, because you can make some decent money by putting, 
You know, and it also brings variety to my page. Sure. You know, so it, the 15 hottest pictures of Britney Spears, she don't want you to see. Yeah. You know, and you have to click mm-hmm. through some crap to see them. But again, it's um, it's one of those things that that's how you make money with Facebook for the most part. There are people in a, uh, I think it's called their beta program. Tom Mabe is in it now. And it's really clever because they'll do a video. And Tom is doing so well with this because he has a whole vault full of stuff that right. was on YouTube only. And now he's able to repackage it for Facebook. But what they're doing is... On, on YouTube, when you see a video and it says skip ad, you can skip it or you can watch the whole ad. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, what they're going to do is the ad's in the middle. And you can you can put it in a very strategic spot and it's only 15 seconds or 30 seconds. you know, to see. And so it's like the guy rears back to punch. To see what happens next, watch this ad. Uh, you can't click out of it. Yeah. Well, of course you're going to sit there. Sure. Because the guy's, you know, balled up with a fist and right. <laughs> so you're going to wait to see it. So I think their way of going about it is far more effective. And I think it's going to be a huge thing. So oh, that's I'm, great. I'm excited to... Hopefully be part of that down the road. Okay. So what do you see for the future for Ron Sexton? Uh, right now my passion. There, I, oh, yeah, I, as I interrupt oh, no, again. No, fine. because I, I keep forgetting to bring this up. Baseball. You yeah. coach baseball. Yeah. You coach a very successful high school baseball team in Florida. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that sure. a little bit? Yeah, I'm a uh, coach at Dunedin High School. Mm-hmm. And our family moved there seven years ago. Right. And it's our God, paradise. It's, it's the long. best thing we ever did as a family. And uh, my intention wasn't to ever coach is something that, that I enjoyed doing. I didn't know that I was going to do it at the high school level, and it's something that just kind of happened. So you had but, coached um, younger teams. Yeah, I coached travel teams. I coached sure. younger teams, you know. But I always had a great uh, respect for high school sports mm-hmm. and because I didn't play. I didn't play in high school. I knew at an early age, again, that I would have made JV probably at best. But uh, I always admired coaching, and through my sports days in broadcasting i got to you know host the bob knight show i got to work with larry brown i got to work with um jim mora tony i mean some great great people in coaching and just had a great admiration for these great minds and and how did they get more out of their five guys or their 10 guys or whatever than the other guy Mm -hmm. and bob knight in particular i mean i watch um all the time i watch that man speak every chance i can you talk about smart i mean it's just and 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 he did the same and he watched when he was at Army at the youngest you know, Division One coach in history, mm-hmm. he watched Claire B. and he watched Henry Iba and he watched Pete Newell and he every chance he could get, he would listen and watch them, and uh, it's fascinating. But I'm I just love the game of baseball, um, really enjoy coaching. I think had I not done broadcasting, I, I would have been a teacher. It would have given me a chance to speak, a chance to interact, a chance to change lives and impact lives. I get to do that in comedy and making people laugh, which I really enjoy. Um, but I, I'm, I'm almost kind of getting to live that other life um, by coaching at the same time and getting to see, you know, kids go on to do great things. Um, How many see, years have you been doing this? Uh, this will be my fifth year as head coach at, wow. at Dunedin. Yeah, so we, we went to the state finals last year and had a great season, and and uh, and it's just an absolute joy uh, to see all the hard work pay off. And, and I'm going to stop you right there. You made it to the state finals in Florida, and that, Florida is like one of the most competitive baseball states in America, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I they put more in the draft than any other state. Yeah, because so. kids moved to Florida to play baseball. You moved your kids down there to play. Yes, we were we were a baseball family trapped right. in basketball state. And, right. and our thing was just to give our kids more of what they loved. You know, and it's one of those things they grow up way too fast, as you well know, Christy. Mm-hmm. Your daughters are beautiful. They yeah, grow up thanks. so fast. And I just thought, well, man, if we move there, you know, here in Indiana, while Indiana has really made great strides in the baseball scene and the travel stuff is off the charts, um, you wait seven months, eight months to, to right. get outside, and then it's over in a blink, and you basically spend most of your time renting a tunnel uh, to hit balls off a tee. And, uh, yeah, when we moved there, my youngest son, Alex, was 12, and he got to play more baseball um, 
we moved there in August. I think he played more baseball between August and December than he had the the four previous summers. Wow. Yeah. So it was, wow. it was and he's in it. it and really both of your him. kids got scholarships. Yeah. Two of your kids yeah, got scholarships. Yeah, my two oldest go to Rollins College, yeah. and then uh, Alex, my youngest son, is uh, in a post-grad year at Inspiration Academy in Florida, and then I have a little 12-year-old daughter who's a swimmer. Yeah, so that's awesome. <laughs> so you love coaching. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's the great uh, complement to the comedy side of it, where everything's, you know, jokey, jokey, jokey. I mean, I, coaching, I'm, there's no, I mean, I, you know, occasionally, I, I am who I am, mm-hmm. but it's there's no Donnie Baker involved with it. It's it's all business, and um, it, it just gives me a, a great, change of pace to what I do normally. But how does that work with the comedy? Are you able to do both at the same time? I have to scale it back during the season, so I can't do full weekends from uh, late January through, and you know, and now it's uh, state finals are the first weekend in June. Oh, so, my. Yeah, so I, I will do a couple Saturdays a month. I have the best assistants in the world, um, so I know if I leave on a Saturday, practice is going to be taken care of. Right. And it's always good, too, for me to delegate and let them get, you know, those those practices with the other coaches where the, you know, the old man's not staring them down or being such a hard ass or whatever, you know. So it's uh, Saturday practices are kind of fun because it's a nice change of pace. But I'm not gone every Saturday. It's just one of those things that um, I can't do full weekends because we play every Friday night. Sure. That's amazing. Yep. So now let's get to your retirement plan, if you will, or the future for Ron Sexton. Yeah. What does it look like? I hope that it's uh, involves social media because I think you know social media is just incredible. In that um, you know when I do a live feed, um, it's like doing crowd work without going to the club, and I can write. It, it just accomplishes so much. I can I can get material from it. I get to interact with my fans. How do you do that? How does that work? So I just go on my my Donnie Baker fan page and click live and. It's up instantly. So anybody that Facebook? follows my page, yeah, gets a notification. Donnie Baker is live now, so they can click on that icon and then they can type questions or whatever. You know? Okay. So, so you just sit there in front of the yeah, and it's a great way to promote upcoming shows. It's a great way to uh, answer questions of fans. It's a great way to uh, I'll get people sending me products now that I can advertise or get paid to hold up or wear a certain shirt or whatever. So it's you can kill a. A lot of birds with one stone. I need so. to take some lessons from Donnie Baker Stay about all. social media, yeah. don't I? Yeah. Man, that's incredible. Yeah, but it's fun. And it's uh, and I learned from a gentleman that I believe you met, Emery King. That I don't know if you remember. Uh, Emery came here. He is a huge Bob and Tom fan. He's got, I don't know how many millions of followers. Oh, my. But he banks about 70 grand a month on Facebook <laughs> alone. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He does really well. Holy shit, yeah. I'm missing the boat here. Yeah, I remember telling I'll him. I'll wear a like, shirt if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> I said you should do comedy. He's like, why would I want to do comedy? I mean, I can just stay well, What home. are his videos? What yeah. does he do? Uh, he is a little more controversial than, than I am. Oh, uh, but, so he, but it, okay. But just, you know, he speaks the truth. He, he, is, right. he is someone that went to prison. He's an ex-con who is pro-con. Oh, so he's got a lot of stories. So it's, okay. yeah, here's somebody that, you know, so when Ferguson hit and people were protesting the police, he was out. Front, supporting the police and sticking up for the oh, police. Okay, and going, hey, I got look. it. He said, "I'm I'm white and I can go out and make sure my ass gets tased right now." You know, it's about choices. It's okay. Not a, so, but he is um he's just been a great uh, a bit of a you know a great advisor, a great friend, and a great inspiration to see what he's built as somebody that you know from rock bottom comes out of prison, and and that's that's the thing about social media. Anybody, every if you have an interesting story, don't be afraid to tell it. Don't be afraid to um to share it and you just never know what might click or go viral you know so um the hardest part is just jumping in but god don't you know no regrets (laughs) yeah well i hear you um so what else do you think you're going to be doing um i want to continue coaching i don't know how much longer though because at some point um as donnie grows i i may have to um part with that just to accommodate the dates 
and the demand. Right. You know? um, but for now, I, I really don't want things to change. I enjoy I enjoy the the yin and the yang. I love comedy. I love coaching. Um, again, the social media thing has been very easy and user friendly at home. It doesn't take up a lot of time. And uh, I really I kind of like the path I'm on. I've had some some interesting emails from from um, some interesting people wanting uh, talking bigger and better. Right. things. And Tim told me one time. Uh, we had a conversation, and it was about Larry the Cable Guy, because Tim hated Larry the Cable Guy. And Why did he hate him? I don't know. Fake ass Larry the Cable ass, but the whole time, but he loved Donnie, and I was, you know, fake ass Donnie, but he loved Donnie, and he hated Larry the Cable Guy. And I was like, man, I hope I could just be, he said, well, you really don't want to be famous. I mean, you really, he said, you won't be right where you are. You really don't want to be famous. And, uh, you know, he's a smart man, and I don't know. I, I, I'm still tempted by a lot of that, and I would love to see what that's like. But I've also seen a lot of people that, you know, that make that climb and get there and it changes them or mm-hmm. they um, they don't like it or they miss, they go nuts, whatever. Um, and, you know, bigger paychecks, bigger problems. But, right. Um, but I would love to uh, just keep it going. I'd like to push it. You know, I, w- I want to be Elvis, Christy. That's what I want to be. I want to be Elvis. You want to so, be Elvis? I want to be Elvis. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty big. Elvis is yeah. pretty big. Yeah. Elvis did it all. Yeah. And Tim Tim said about him, Elvis was, you know, he was a father, he was a son, he was a husband, he was a soldier, he was a movie star, he was a rock star. He did everything. So yeah. I think, you know, uh, not to say that I'll ever, you know, I think it, it's just important to have that drive. If you don't have that drive, you don't have a chance, you know, but I, I, I want to expand this as, as best I can and maximize it in whatever form or fashion, you know, so. Is there something you really want to do that you've really never voiced or that is kind of sitting in the back of your head and you're thinking maybe someday? Yeah, I, I would love to have the Pork Pistols open for Kid Rock. I would love to have our band open for a major band on a tour because I think it would be funny to see a shit band beforehand that's a comedy rock show before a big band. Journey, Kid Rock, something. Oh, uh, I could so, so see you doing I'd this with to, Kid Rock. Yeah, and I'd Kid, love if you're listening. Yeah. You know how to get a hold of us. Come on. Yeah. So I would love to do, uh, to me, that would just be a dream come true to do a real rock tour with a real band, but have our band just open and be the, the, you know, the opening band that gets people in a great mood because all of our stuff is all 80s hits, you know, and parodies. Sure. But uh, so that would be, that's one thing that I would love to really do and um, give me a chance to get back on a bus and travel and, you know, see the country again. And it's like every time you do it, you don't really take the time to appreciate it and go out and check, check out as much as you can. But. So I'd love to do it again, but on a bigger scale. So that's that's I definitely that's definitely possible. I hope so. Yeah, oh, Dusty yeah. actually has been a Facebook friends with one of his backup singers, and so she's like, "I'll talk to Bobby." If I, yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> that'd but, be cool. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be really awesome. cool. What about? I ask a lot of my guests this. I've kind of gotten away from it. Do you have any hidden talents? Oh, man. Um. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Uh. I used to be really good at pop a shot, but I've gotten away from that. I've, okay. Uh, wiffle ball. Christy, I was the best wiffle ball player on the planet. Really? From about 19, I don't know. I throw 13 different kinds of curveballs, but I was the best wiffle ball player on the planet for about 10 years. And now I'm wow. I throw too much batting practice and I, yeah. Well, too yeah. much BP. My, my arm is Tommy John surgery? On both knees. <laughs> yeah. Wiffle ball used to be, uh, wiffle ball used to be a thing. And, that's uh, cool. Yeah, that's I swear, cool that's what we used to do in the neighborhood as kids. But I used to think, God, if wiffle ball was Major League Baseball, I'd be making a million. <laughs> yeah, we used to set up a lawn chair for a strike zone, and I'd throw that thing. I'd throw it east and have it come back west, and yeah, it was so much fun. But, okay, uh, let's say you make a million dollars drops in your lap. What would you do with it? Million dollars drops on my lap. Well, I'd probably pay off them damn bills. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I mean, is there anything yeah. you really want to buy or you've had a secret desire to go somewhere or? Um, not, I, I don't know. I probably would. Uh, oh, man, that's a great question. There's not really anything I crave, you know, that, that's some possession that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I want. I don't, I don't know. But Could I, you get Donnie a new wig? You know, I'm on my, th- I just got a new one. I think it's my oh. sixth wig and I'm afraid to break it out because I, I believe the mojo in him. So Dustin's oh. like, don't change it. Yeah, we want a good ride. Don't change it. Oh, okay. That's yeah, cool. So, uh, but no, it's the, the fifth one's going bald fast. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's starting to look like a third almond brother. Um, so, but no, uh. I think um, maybe uh, might travel a little more. You okay. Know, and, uh, but really, man, I love my life. Everything's great. You know, I mean, in terms of I live in paradise in Florida, I've been golfing. I've had the golf bug so bad, Christy. Really? Yeah. First time in my life I have really, I mean, just dive in and I'm playing like every day. Joined a, uh, country, a Dunedin golf club. That's <laughs> so for I'm, you. Yeah, That's awesome. And, um, got Callaway black apex irons. Oh, I need new irons so bad. Callaway, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> I yeah, could really use but, some uh, new irons. Yeah, so because I, I play Callaways now, and mine are just. A mess. I'd probably take a golf trip where I'm. Okay. Like, uh, you know, it, it right now at this moment, and yeah. again, I, I, I'll stuff like that. You know, I, I may be completely off of it. You know, a year from now, but it was. Uh, you know, every year after baseball, I'd get so depressed. The season's over, and I was like, oh, "I got to do something." Because you go from just every day, sure, it's a big, you know, practice and uh, planning practice and talking about how practice went and to the game, how to the game, you know, and then just zip, it's done. And mm-hmm. It was going nuts, but golf has been a great refuge. Cool season, yeah, that's cool. Well, I am so happy for your success. I have known you a long time. You're one of the most talented people I've ever met. And you're too sweet. No, you. I'm telling the truth, and I just think it's great to to watch this. It's it's really funny for me to hear early Donnie Baker's when the best Why of Donnie Baker. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, well, there. Why did that voice change over time? It you was think? because I think it was easier for me to sustain a bit in a higher pitch. Gotcha. And it was uh, when I first called in as Donnie, I had to stand up because I was so hyper. Uh huh. And I don't think I could have ever sustained that on stage for you know ten minutes, let alone an hour. And then one day, uh, Jason Hofstadt, who works here at the station, and I don't know, and it, it wasn't anything that I did intentionally other than, he's like, dude, your Donnie sounds a lot like your Peter Gammons. So yeah. I was calling this Peter Gammons, his early Donnie Baker. I mean, it's damn similar. Yeah, it's and Jason similar. has a good ear. So I think just through kind of, oh, okay, well, maybe, and I think over time, I just kind of ramped it up a little bit. And it's hard to do an impression of somebody that doesn't exist and have it remain the same. You know, it's it's different than, you know, Tony, I know what it'd be. Yeah. You start low, you could go pretty high. <laughs> you know, Donnie doesn't exist, so it's just, it's kind of, it is what it is. So, but yeah, there, I'll get emails all the time. I like the first, the first guy that did Donnie was so much funnier than this one. <laughs> this one sucks. <laughs> tell Bob, I'll tell that dumbass. Dumbest thing ever did. <laughs> Ron Sexton's been my guest. Thank you so much, Ron. And if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? They can find me uh, on Facebook under Donnie Baker. They can go to DonnieBaker.com and they can find everything there. So, I love you, Christy. Thanks so much. K-E-R, right? Yes. Not that I knew that, but I'm going <laughs> to I love you too. And thank you again. I know it's a holiday week and it's really busy. And I appreciate you taking time out to do this for me because there are a lot of fans. You know, you have a lot of fans. I and appreciate that. I really um, am honored to reminisce and, and hear stories I've totally forgotten about. And and I honestly didn't know how Donnie came about. And it, it was just as enlightening to me as I hope the listener. So thank you very much. Hey, Woofy's in the car and it's running. Ah, oh, damn it, Woofy. If you'd like more information about Ron Sexton slash Donnie Baker, go to the website, DonnieBaker.com. 
And don't forget, with the high school baseball season just around the corner, you're going to want to see them sooner rather than later. You're going to have to wait probably until next late spring, early summer. Ron Sexton is a very talented young man. I could listen to him do Tim Wilson impressions forever. I miss Tim so much. And when Donnie, Donnie, see, even I do it. When Ron falls into Tim, it just, it just is such a great warm and fuzzy feeling for me. I don't know if she gives you a warm and fuzzy feeling, but Brit is coming back. That's right. The next podcast features Brit and Tiffany, another shit with Brit. I'm sure we're going to talk holiday stuff, plus a whole lot more. I haven't talked to her in months. I almost feel like this could be a real off-the-rail show. We're going to be drinking at Tiffany's house, not mine this time. So who knows what's going to go down. You don't want to miss it. And of course, visit our website, christyleenews.com. And if you could, please write us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You don't know how much that really helps. And the word of mouth thing, tell all your friends because we really appreciate it. We do have merch out there. Go to the website, christyleenews.com at the shop button. It's easy to do. Makes a great stocking stuffer. And um, I think that's it. We covered all my business, didn't we? All my business. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And until next time, be kind. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.